Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. Well, good morning, church. I just got to point this out. So Jasmine came up here during the hosting time and said that, like, the parking lot was so full. Did you ever think you would go to a church where we just celebrated the fact that we filled up the ABC store parking lot? <laughs> and it's not Friday night? <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, like, two doors down, they're gambling, 100 yards away, they're drinking. I can't think of a better place to have a church, just to be honest with you. Oh, we are so glad that you're here because you're jumping in on week two of a series that we believe is going to be a powerful time in our church. We're doing something that we've never really done before. We're starting a series that we don't know when it's going to end because God has just put us to hit on this topic of fear and teach it and teach it and teach it until we feel like God said, okay, uh, that's, that's enough. And so it's going to be at least eight weeks that we think, maybe even further. We may be preaching about this when that ball's dropping next year, okay? I don't know. Because the reality is, is fear is a real thing. Fear is a real thing. It is something that every single person in this room battles. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how faithful you are. Fear is real. Amen, somebody. And what we're doing is trying to, and, and, and what we're trying to just be honest about is that fear and faith can coexist. And despite what maybe we've thought in the past that like I grew up where if fear was present, faith must be absent. Like if you had any measure of fear in your heart, that means faith was gone and that you could not be fearful and faithful. And I've just learned that's not true. That is not true. That, that, fear, that faithful does not mean fearless. That faithful and fearful are part of our lives at times simultaneously. Come on. Like the, re- the reality is, no matter what, you cannot, you cannot completely erase fear from your life. And I would submit you probably shouldn't. Because fear is, fear is not only um, needed, but it's necessary. Fear is vital to your survival. Come on, somebody. Like, there are certain things that we, if it wasn't for our fear of those things and a very healthy fear, we would go down roads and go through doors and walk down paths that we have no business on. And fear is part of that motivation. And I know we've kind of been in this space where we believe that, that fear and faith can't coexist, but the more I study Scripture, the more I realize this is not true. That even those biblical heroes that we all look up to and respect, our spiritual role models, they didn't do what they did because they were fearless. They had moments of fear. There is measures of fear. And and I would submit to you that if you're not somewhat fearful, then you're not being faithful. 
Because I don't know about you, but faithfully walking with God is scary at times. Anybody alive in the room? Come on, somebody. Yes. Fear, when you walk in faithful obedience to God, it forces two things to happen, to walk away from comfort and toward the unknown. And that's scary. And so what we're, what we're, not, what we're doing is not trying to completely be fearless, but let the fear be less than the faith. That we're, we're not going to walk in fear, but we're going to walk through fear. Come on, somebody. We're going to look at the scary things in our lives and say, I see you. I know you're there. I know that you're trying to get me to be afraid, and I am scared, but I'm moving forward anyway. That my faith is going to rise above my fear, and even though fear is present, faith will be the driving force in my life. And even though I'm scared, I'm still going to be faithful. Even though I'm afraid of some of the things that might come about, about these possibilities that I can't measure or even foresee, I'm going to continue to walk forward in faith. Because the we cannot eliminate fear, but we can elevate faith. Come on, somebody. We're not trying to eliminate fear. We're trying to elevate faith. We're trying to see come alive in our lives what God told Joshua would be necessary with him. Go to Joshua chapter 1. As Joshua's taking the mantle of leadership from Moses. And he's about to try to do something that his mentor never did. Take them from where they are to where they need to be next. And when he's taking this mantle of leadership and he's stepping into this new season of life, God says this, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That in God's opening words to Joshua as he steps into leadership, God never asks him to be fearless. He commands he be courageous. That the goal of our lives, the goal of this year as we move forward is not to be fearless, but to be courageous. That courage, if you look up that word, if you look up courageous in the dictionary, it means undeterred by danger or pain. It says, I see the danger, I see the pain, I see the fear, but I'm going forward anyway. I will not let it move me off the pathway of faith. And the definition that I gave you that I feel like God gave me for courageous is faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. Faithful obedience in the, mirror, in the, in the midst of fearful circumstance. That I'm going to let fear not be in control. I'm not going to let it limit me. I'm going to acknowledge that it's real and it's there, but I'm going to let faith rise above it. And I'm going to let faith be in charge. That even though fear is present, it can't drive. It can't have control. I'm going to see it, I'm going to know it, and I'm going to feel those feelings. But in faith, I'm going to move forward. That fear can be present, it just can't be in charge. Are you all with me? Say amen. Because when fear, when fear is in charge, bad things happen. When fear takes control, we do irrational things. Anybody ever done irrational things because of fear? Anybody have a moment where fear just completely seized your body and your mind and your spirit and you did something crazy? Seven honest people once again in the room. Glad. That's awesome. Fear will make you do crazy things. You've seen it happen in your life. You've seen it happen in the life of other people. A couple months ago, in the middle of the night, I got woke up to a banging happening in my house. And it was one of those things too. It was probably about 12 o'clock at night, and at midnight, I am, I, the Smith house is gone. We go to bed early, we get up early, it's just kind of how we roll. So if you drive my house, by my house at 9 o'clock, do not stop, I'm asleep. 
So about midnight, like I was in such a deep sleep. It's kind of like you, you can't figure out at first if you dreamed it or if it was real. So you sit up and you're like, was that real or was that a dream? The kind of thing where, where you hear something and like you, you, you sit straight up in the bed. And you'd be like, what was that? And your heart's beating fast and your adrenaline's kind of going. And you're like, the first thing you think is, I'm not going back to sleep for a long time because my adrenaline's going and like I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I thought I heard something. And then like for a second, I didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, like I started to lay back down. And then there it was again. It was this, this loud like. And I'm thinking, all right, what, what is happening right now? So I sat there for a little bit longer. And then again, a couple seconds went by, and again, like, it, it, it started. I about broke my iPad, banging on the table. I, I heard it again. And so then, like, you're processing everything, right? And you're thinking, like, especially, like, us fellas, like, I, I got a family protect. Like, what's happening right now? Boom, boom, boom. I heard it again. And, and at this point, like, it sounds like it's coming from the back door of our house. So I'm thinking, it's time to go investigate. So I reach in the nightstand in a drawer, and I grab a little friend. Rhymes with Glock. <laughs> and I step around the corner, and as soon as I'm about to get to, like, out of our bedroom door, I hear it again. And, like, this time I'm convinced there is somebody trying to get in the back door of our house. And Daddy is going to jail tonight because this is not happening. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> so I'm staring at the door, and I'm like, all right, here we go. My Navy SEAL training. <laughs> <laughs> comes into play and then I hear it again and then I realize that's not that's not coming from the back doors it's coming from upstairs where my kids are and so like I go upstairs and I get up to the top of the steps and I look and I see from under Leah my 11 year old daughter I see her light is on I'm like what is happening and by this time I realize like it's not a threat so I put my little friend aside and I go in and I, and I open the door and Leah emerges from behind her bed, tears in her eyes, and a cup in her hand. And she looks up at me and she says, there's a cricket. <laughs> I'm thinking, you walk me for, up for a cricket? Let me go get my gun again. I don't know what's happening. I'm sitting there, but, but, but I know my daughter. And let me tell you something. She is deathly afraid of bugs. Any kind, if, like you ever, like if a bug jumped on her right now, I don't care if she's in the middle of church, she would be running out screaming like she was on fire. And I'm thinking, baby, what's happening? Like literally, like, like she's breathing heavy, and her eyes are just, like she's been crying, and she has this cup. And apparently somewhere, like we have a little dog, a little Morky named Max, and he sleeps with Leah a lot. And, and Max somehow in, in, in the middle of the night had saw Mr. Cricket and decided he was going to hunt Mr. Cricket down and eat him. And so the first thing I heard was Max pouncing around on the floor trying to catch this cricket, who is some type of ninja cricket that can't be caught by anybody or anything. And so Leah, you know, there's no way once she knows a cricket is in her room that she's going to bed without its death. Because she's like, if I don't kill it, it'll get in my mouth. <laughs> like she is not going to bed. So she had like a plastic like tumbler cup that was empty in her room. And her, the, that noise was her chasing that cricket around her room, trying to smush the cricket with the cup to ensure that it died. And it didn't crawl down in her mouth and give her some type of weird disease because it had to die. And it had gotten 
behind her bed, and she could, she couldn't reach the cricket. I'm a man. I'm daddy. So I go behind her bed, and there it is. It, the tiniest cricket you've ever seen in your life. Like, it's the size of my pinky nail. Like, it, is, it ain't some, like, big monster Goliath Godzilla cricket. It is, like, tiny cricket. And I reach down there, grabbing my two fingers, and pinch that little joker dead. <laughs> now, don't say, first service went, oh, no, it is 12.15. I am awake, and I am ready to go back to bed. And I looked at her, I said, Leah. The cricket is dead. <laughs> and this recite, <sighs> thank you, Daddy. <laughs> I whooped her and put her back to bed. <laughs> no, I gave her a hug. I said, baby, go back to bed, please. <laughs> Fear. Even when in irrational, when it consumes your spirit, it will make you do crazy things. And now, there's some people in this room that you have much more legitimate reason than my baby girl to be fearful right now. There are things that people around you that are walking, they're walking through, and legitimately they are afraid. Guys, I tell y'all, you have no idea what's happening in the lives of the people around you sometimes. It's really easy to come in here and sit in here. I've said it before. Even from the, what there's so many people in the room right now, what their world looked like last Sunday to this one is so different you can't even imagine. Because, guys, this week, people, people died. People lost a battle to cancer. People lost not just a job but a career that they had been in for a while, and they don't know their way forward. Like there's, there's legitimate things that people are trying to navigate that are scary, and that's real. But even as scary as all those things are, I believe in a God that can build a faith so big in the spirit of his people that no matter how fearful the thing, we can still remain faithful. Come on. It doesn't make that thing any less scary. doesn't mean that thing isn't legitimately a reason to be afraid. But it's saying, you know what? I know that fear is there, and it's real, and it's legitimate. But I serve a God who is worthy of my praise and worthy of my worship, and I will follow him and remain faithful to him, and I will refuse to allow the fear, even as legitimate as it is, to take control of my life. And that's the goal. As we walk into a new year, it's not to eliminate the fear because that's impossible. Even the, even the people that we idolize in Scripture, they didn't do these amazing things they did because they were fearless. They did it because they were courageous. Abraham didn't walk away from everything he had known and head to the land that God had showed him because he was fearless. He did it because he was courageous. Noah didn't pick up a hammer and start building an ark in the middle of a drought in anticipation of a flood because he was fearless. He did it because he was courageous. Jesus didn't go through the worst beating humanity has ever seen and go through the worst kind of death that humanity could ever create because he was fearless. He did it because he was courageous and the will of the Father superseded what was trying to happen in his own flesh. And like that's our goal too. 
is to get to the place where no, fear is not eliminated completely, but faith is so elevated that when life sends that stuff, we keep walking. We remain faithful. We don't waver. We keep trusting God. And I know, so the question is how? And to be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure it out. Because see, every day we're in this battle, aren't we? Where, where fear is kind of competing with our faith. And can I just be honest, there's some days that I let fear win. Maybe you don't want to go to church where the pastor's honest, but you're in the wrong place. Like there's some days that I just, that there's some moments that I have that I let fear win. And so do you, come on. But this is what I want you to know. Just because maybe this week there's been a, a battle that fear has won doesn't mean the war is over. Because see, this is what the enemy wants you to do. In the morning, tomorrow morning you wake up and maybe for a moment fear wins. You know what the enemy says? Well, fear's already won today. Just let fear win the whole day. Then you wake up Tuesday. Well, fear won yesterday. Just let fear win today too. Just let fear win the whole week. Maybe you can just try again next Sunday, get rebooted, go to church, and just try this all. And see, it snowballs, doesn't it? That a moment of fear turns into a day of fear, and in a moment becomes momentum. And fear begins to build. So next thing you know, like it becomes what's in charge. And what I'm saying to you is your God is bigger than that. Your God has given you a pathway to build courage that is greater than that. So you don't have to keep allowing fear to win. And this begs the question, Matt, like how? Right? How do I get to that place where faith is winning consistently over fear? How do I get to that place where I'm not allowing fear to be the driving force and limit my life? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out over the next few weeks. And this week, God gave me a different message than I had planned to preach originally. Because Monday, I started reading the verses from last week once again. And God started pulling some new things out. So can I just, can I teach you what God taught me last Monday? Look at Psalm 56. I read this verse last week. Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. Psalm of David. I love reading the Psalms of David. I told you all that last year. We did a whole series called Through the Window because David makes me feel normal because he was crazy. Come on, like he, he was up and down and he was an emotional roller coaster just like I feel sometimes somebody testify. Like you read the Psalm of David and you're like, thank you. <laughs> Psalm 56, verse 3 says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me. I read that last Monday and I read when I am afraid and I just got stuck. And I started thinking and asking myself some questions that maybe, maybe you need to ask yourself as well. When I am afraid, all of a sudden I heard, when am I afraid? Because I think that's an important thing to investigate in your life, in my life. Because I think if we're really honest, there are times and places and people and situations where fear is more prevalent than others. Like, when am I afraid? When, when is fear most prevalent in my life? 
When do I seem to be most vulnerable to the fears that jump up? Because I think if we're going to have victory over it, we got to get as honest about it as possible. Come on. And I started wrestling with that and thinking about, all right, all right when, when am I afraid? And God started to show me, like, Matt, when you don't do this, you're afraid. When you do more of this, you're afraid. On, even, like, on these days, because you're in these positions and around these people and in these situations, fear is more prevalent in your life. And now, I don't want to give you my list because I don't want to give you an excuse to not make one of your own. But can I just get you to wrestle with that question? Maybe if you're a note taker and if you're not a note taker, today's a good chance to be a note taker even if it's in your mind. And just ask that question, wrestle with, when am I afraid? Because what I think you'll notice is, is, is we're, we're very rhythmic, pattern-driven people. Come on. And if you're honest about it, it's like, like if, you, if, you, if your New Year's resolution was to lose weight, you'd ask, when am I most hungry? It is when I walk into Krispy Kreme when the hot and now sign is on. <laughs> and if you're trying to lose weight, walking into Krispy Kreme when the hot and now sign is on, and you're trying to lose 15 pounds, not a good idea. There's some people that you'll admit, like every time I'm around them, fear grows in my spirit because they're negative and all they do is talk junk and all they do is talk about how bad life is and how awful life is and how bad their husband is and how awful their wife is and how crazy their kids are and you just and what you end up doing is you get dragged into that pit with them and you need to say maybe for a season I need to put a little bit of distance there in order for my own health and well-being so that I can grow my faith until I can handle all the negativity maybe that they bring You know when I'm afraid? It's going to sound really weird. When I'm on social media. Because social media often increases my insecurity. Because I get into that comparison game. And I'm flipping through and I'm seeing what they have and what I don't and what they're doing and what I'm not. And all these things. And, like, and, and when in, insecurity increases, fear does too. And maybe the best thing you can do is to get on your phone and delete Facebook. <laughs> then I begin to ask, so, so you see, can you ask yourself that question? When am I afraid? And then another question, when I am afraid, what? Like what's my initial reaction to fear? When, when my life and fear collide, what, what do I immediately do? Because this is what I've discovered. My immediate reaction to fear plays a big part in my long-term response to it. Like what I do in the immediate matters. Like the first time, at the very moment I feel fear beginning to well up in my spirit. When I, begin, when I feel fear beginning to grow. What, what do I do next? And when I've discovered a lot of things that I do give me relief in the short term, but don't build my faith in the long term. I'm preaching good today. Like, like that immediate reaction, what we think, 
It, maybe it's not what's best. Maybe it gives you some like immediate relief, but it's not good long term. Because this is what I'm like. Again, I'm like David. Go to go to Psalm 55. Pick up with verse four. You hear David in this in this fearful place. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. It's a really bright psalm, isn't it? Verse 6. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, that I would fly away, that you would make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Some people get that. That I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. And I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Like David's response is I think most of our response when we experience fear. is just to run away. Just to flee. Just to run from it. That's been my natural response my whole life, when I'm up against a fearful situation, is just try to, at all costs, get away from it. Avoid the confrontation. Avoid the conversation. Run from it. But you know what always happens? I have to come back, and it's still there. And I've just learned that nothing gets better through neglect. I'm not saying that time, we need space and that kind of stuff. But this is what I always say. Like, when I'm fearful, I retreat. I run. I isolate myself. And isolation can quickly become lonely. What we call, sometimes some of us run from fear thinking we need a season of solitude. But we stay there so long that solitude just eventually breeds loneliness and makes us even more vulnerable to the fear that's waiting at the door. So what do you do? Because this is what I've discovered. Whether faith wins or fear wins is very dependent on what I do when it comes. And I just begin to ask my question. Do I do more to feed my fear or fuel my faith? Am I operating in a way on a consistent basis? Is, is, the, is the normal rhythm of my life, the normal disciplines in my life, the normal things of my everyday life that I'm allowing myself to get caught up in and engaged in, are they doing more to feed my fear or fuel my faith? And what I've discovered is a lot of times I get myself caught up in things that are doing more to feed my fear than fuel my faith. And it's things that you don't even maybe realize when it's happening. But there are things that we're, if you want faith to win out over fear, if you want to live this courageous life that we're all pursuing, you got to make sure that you're doing more to fuel your faith than feed your fear. And this is not what you say is like, Matt, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything. That's the problem. <laughs> it takes nothing to feed your fear. Feeding your fear happens naturally, automatically, it's just natural. Fueling your faith requires a lot of effort and intention, which most of us are not willing to do. So all we're doing is feeding fear instead of fueling faith, and then we're wondering why fear keeps winning. You keep feeding the fear, and like it's these little things that we're doing. And I would say, if you're not intentionally fueling your faith, then you're feeding your fear. 
if you're not engaging in the things that God has put in front of us and given us to fuel our faith, then you're by just default, you're feeding your fear. The nation of Israel, the, the very group of people that Joshua would be tasked to lead into the promised land, the reason why they got stuck wandering around in the desert is because the majority of the people weren't fueling their faith. They were only feeding their fear. And every time they bumped up against something scary, you could see they just defaulted to allowing fear to take control. The very moment, if you go into Exodus, and you're going to see some of these verses on the screen. I'm not going to read them all. But when, you remember when, they, when, when Moses first leads them out of Egypt? And then the first test of faith they have is they're up against the Red Sea. And in front of them is the Red Sea. And behind them is the most powerful known army in, in the world. And their response to Moses is, couldn't have we just died in Egypt? Why you got to bring us out here, out here to die? Like, wouldn't it be better for us just to stay there and die than to die out here? Fear. And y'all know the story, right? Moses holds out his staff. The Red Sea parts. They trot their little selves on across dry land get to the other side, and in cool, epic, almost kind of Game of Thronesy fashion, they go out into the middle of the Red Sea, and the Red Sea swallows them up. Now, you would think that, that that moment would have built faith so the next time fear raises its ugly head, but then they get out there, and, and they don't have any food, and they're like, why'd you bring us out here to starve to death? And God sends manna from heaven and quail and they say, well, they have time they need water and they're, they're thirsty and, and God gets water from a rock. And, but like, what you see is all throughout that story is constantly they give us indication that they're not doing anything to fuel their faith. And it's only feeding their fear so that every time fear comes up, they panic. And that's what's going to happen. If we continue to feed our fear instead of fuel our faith. Instead of us walking in courage and moving forward, when fear comes, we're just going to panic. So how, how, do we fuel, how do we fuel our faith? How do we grow? Because see, the kind of faith that's going to withstand fear, it has to be built. It has to be grown. It takes work. And one of the things that I've completely discovered in my life, you will never build a faith that can withstand the fear that's coming by yourself. Relationship, community is absolutely essential to growing your faith to the position where it can withstand that which is fearful. It's seen all throughout Scripture. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Like anybody that tries to face their fear by themselves, they don't have a shot. Anyone that tries to navigate this thing called life and deal with all the scary things that come at you all by yourself, it will swallow you up. You did. You just heard Jasmine talk about life groups. That's why we do life groups. Because we know that you need a, an environment to build relationships. Because you cannot do this thing on your own. The kind of fear that you're trying to go, the kind of, the kind of faith, I mean, that you're trying to grow, the kind of faith that withstands the fear, you'll never get there if you don't let people in your life. 
I'm too busy. I have too much going on. Fine, let fear win. I don't know about showing up at somebody's house. Fine, let fear win. Like, you can't grow the kind of faith that will endure the fearful things that are coming at you until you are willing to surround yourself with the right people. Because here's the thing, relationships don't grow your faith. The right relationships grow your faith. Relationships can be as equally harmful as helpful to your faith if you don't choose them properly. But can I say this? Relationships can deepen your faith, but your faith cannot be dependent on them. Because you're going to have moments when you have to walk through fearful with faith all by yourself. There will come a time when something fearful pops up in your life and you're going to have to navigate it without the help of anybody else. That's at the core, I think, of why God said to Joshua what he said. Go back into Joshua chapter 1. See, Joshua, again, he's taking this mantle of leadership. And in this moment, God's trying to say to him the things necessary so that he'll be able to navigate the fearful with faith. And you notice what he says? Just as I have been with Moses, Joshua, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Like he, he kind of, he, he, he speaks that language a couple times in this opening position of leadership. Hey, jo- just remember, Joshua, like I promised to be with Moses, I'll be with you. Wherever you go, I'll be there. I'm with you wherever you go. You know why Joshua need to know that? Because there will be times when Joshua is out there leading and he looks around and there's nobody else to be found. And in that moment, he'll have to remember, although nobody else is there, God is. That even though they are not available, his presence is inescapable. That Joshua, because see, there's no more lonely place than leadership. If you've ever tried to lead anything, you know that. If you're the head of a family, an organization, a business, or whatever, there are times when you're out there and, yeah, you have support and you have people that love you and you have people that believe in you. But leadership requires you to step into places that most, if any, will be able to understand. And just knowing that, and, and what he's saying is, like, when, no, when they're not there, that, you can't use their absence as an excuse for your disobedience. So remember When it feels like you're all alone, you're not. When they have abandoned you, you're not alone. I am with you always wherever you go because there's going to come a moment when you're having to face something fearful and people will let you down. You do realize this moment that we've looked at that Jesus had his most difficult time was in a season where he was let down by his friends. Go back. Mark chapter 14, remember Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he, like all the reality of what he's headed toward is starting to build on him. Remember we talked about that last week? Like he's overwhelmed with the reality of what is facing him. He's about to go through this, this beating and, this, and, and go to the cross and he's so overwhelmed and so he goes to pray. In other words, what Jesus is about to do, he's kind of preparing himself for what lies ahead. And the natural thing that he does, he models for us, is he invites people in to come along with him. He goes and gets Peter, James and John, his best friends. 
And he says, hey, y'all come with me. Look, Mark 14, 33. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he even told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Again, Jesus is modeling what we need to do when we're fearful. We have to let other people know. Amen? Jesus is saying, like, I'm about to go through the hardest thing in my life. I need you to know, and I need your help, and I need you to be with me. And then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Can't you watch with me even one hour? Then Jesus left them and prayed the same prayer as before. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping. For they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. Now, if this was us, we'd be like, well, they were, I, I, I would have been faithful, but uh, I told her I was going through something hard. I told her last Sunday, she didn't text me all week. I told you at Life Group three weeks ago that I was going through this, and, and you must have fell asleep because I ain't heard from you yet. But do you, how did this end? Jesus didn't let the failure of his friends keep him from being faithful. And so we can't either. You need people. They'll help grow your faith. You're, they can deepen your faith, but your faith cannot be dependent on them because they, 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 people will let you down. And a lot of times it's not because they mean to or because they're trying to be vicious. We're just people. And can you imagine? Most of us would have used this as enough excuse to completely write Peter, James, and John off. Some of us, we're refusing to get into a life group because I got in a life group one time and I went through something. They weren't there for me, so I'm never going to be in a life group ever again. They're going to let you down. You're going to let them down. But we're going to operate with grace and lean into each other and love each other and support each other as best we can. And when that doesn't look like what we hoped it would at times, we're going to have grace, offer forgiveness, and move forward because in the end, we do need each other. I got one more thing I need to say before we get out of here. Because... He not, God only not drew back Joshua back to the promise of his presence as necessary for fueling his faith, faith. He also pointed to the practice of engaging his word. Go back into Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to it all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. He says, Joshua, don't forget I'm with you, but also don't neglect soaking up the word of God. Because when you face fearful things, it will be the word of God in you that comes out of you that causes you to respond in faith. And the only way the word of God can come out of you is for it to be in you. And so put it, up, put it in you. Soak it up. He says, read it. Speak it. Think about it. So that when fear comes, you are armed with the word of God in response to it. 
And what I'm, a, what I'm afraid is so many of us, we only run to the word when fear comes. And we're not in the word preparing for when it comes. So we haven't built the faith necessary for the fear that's on the way. We wait for the fear to come and then try to build the faith to fight it. And that's why we're failing. Can I give you this? Like if the only time you're in the word is when you go hunting in scripture out of hurt, we get hurt and we go hunting, right? We go through, we're like, oh no, life's getting bad. I better run to the Bible. I hadn't read it in six months, but now that I lost my job, I better start reading it. I ain't read my Bible in six years, but now that he wants a divorce, I better run to the word. Now I'm not saying you don't need to do that. But what if you were in it all the time? What if it was so in you that you didn't have to hunt for it because it was already hidden in you? Remember how David described it? Look at it. Psalm 119. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Like I've put it so deep in me that when I'm hurt, what's hidden becomes known and I don't have to go hunting for it. Because I know who you are. I don't have to search for the answer because I already have it. Because I've stayed in it. I've built the faith that can withstand the fear when it comes. This is what we do. We, we hit crisis and then we go. Can I tell you how dangerous that is? That if your Bible study is point and shoot, you may do more to feed your fear than fuel your faith. But what if, like right now, you're like, Oh, but see, this is, the nation of Israel was notorious for this. They would only run to God in crisis. They only wanted to hear from God in crisis. They wanted to only be wanted to be obedient in crisis. It's amazing how some things never change. Like, what if, like, don't wait for the fear to come to build the faith you'll need to withstand it. Lean into his word. Hide it in your heart. Study it and build it so when, see, the object is not to eliminate the fear, it's to elevate the faith. But to elevate the faith, we have to stop feeding the fear and engage in the things that God has put in front of us to fuel the faith. So when the fear comes, faith wins. That's the goal. So there's things you need to do now. Play like, bad, I'm not in crisis. Awesome. You, you have an opportunity. Come and tell you, I love you, but one is coming. Oh, come on. You know, you're either in it, coming out of it, or headed toward it. It's life. It's life. And if you'll surround yourself with the right people and make this a daily part of your life, you will elevate faith to the place to withstand the fear when it comes. You bow your heads, close your eyes with me. In just a minute, we're going to worship. As we do, I just want, can we have some honesty in the room today? I'm going to open up the platform, turn it into an altar, and invite you to pray. Maybe you just need to come and say, God, God, show me. Help me see the places that I'm fearful, the things that I'm doing that are feeding my faith, so I can begin to move those things and change those things. 
If that's you, go ahead and start making your way to the front. Maybe, maybe you just know you're in a fearful season and you just need to come and pray that God will help build the faith that's necessary to withstand the fear that you're in. Or maybe there's just something else that's in your spirit right now and like, like you need to come and you need to pray. Say, Matt, that takes a lot of courage. That's the point. So if that's you, if you feel so led, come on. Come on, go ahead and begin to make your way down the front. Kneel around this platform. Spend some time talking to God. Take the courageous step of kneeling at the feet of the Father and allowing Him to move in your spirit. And just begin to talk to Him and pray that God would begin to reveal the things. Hey, Lord, just help me see if, if I'm doing some things that maybe I don't even recognize I'm doing. I don't even see that I'm doing. But it's putting me in a position to be more fearful than faithful. God, would you, would you show me those things? Would you help me see that stuff that's happening in my heart or maybe you're here and you say, Matt, like, you know what, right now I'm facing a lot of stuff that it's going to take a lot of faith to overcome that amount of fear. And I just need to talk to God. Prayer warriors, would you do me a favor? Those of you who feel so led, would you come put a hand on somebody? Just come lay a hand and begin to pray. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. Those, those of you who feel led, who just feel the spirit moving you to come and lay a hand on somebody and pray down the resources of heaven over their spirit because there are people down here that are trying to find victory in some places that's really hard to be found. I know we're getting late, but God's working right now, so can we just not be in a hurry to rush out of this room and quench what he's trying to do in our lives? just a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship. I invite you, those who are still down here, stay praying. Maybe you feel led at some point in the next few minutes to come down as well and just gather somebody, or maybe just pray with the people that are around you in some way. Father, I pray that right now that faith is welling up in the hearts of the people that are around here, because God, I know there are people gathered around this platform that they have a lot of reason to be afraid. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of scary things. There's so much out of their control. And they don't know how it's going to turn out. They don't know how it's going to end up. They don't know if they're ever coming home. They don't know if the situation is ever going to be resolved. They don't know if they're ever going to be free. And it's scary. And it's real. And they need a stronger measure of faith maybe than they feel like they have right now. And God, I pray that you show them what they need to fuel that faith, to build it, to strengthen it so that it wins when the faith comes. God, as we worship you now, I pray that your spirit would just keep moving. Hearts will continue to be open, that our ears would keep listening to what you have to say to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.